The following is a sermon recorded at Reality Church. Please join Pastor Jason as he exposits the word from Romans. master 
that is Christ. And to, to put it in maybe terms that we'll understand, as Paul did, it's as if we were owned by one master, okay? This one master beat us, starved us, and worked us out in the heat to death. Just worked us. We had no bed to sleep on. When we got hot, we had no cool water to drink. And we could never work hard enough to please this master and change the way that master treated us. That's not where the story ends. See, then a new master shows up. He pays the price to purchase us. He cleans our wounds, gives us cold water to drink, and a warm bed. Then, as if that wasn't enough, he makes us adopted sons and tells us he's pleased with us because of the work that he's already done and wants us just to follow the words that he has written in his book. We've gone from the worst possible situation we could be in in slavery, from an evil master who, who beat us and tortured us, to a master who wants to make us adopted sons. That's a big change. And that's an amazing thing to, to think about. What Christ has done for us. Now, I want to bring you to another verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. A lot of people use this verse to tell you what you can and can't do, what they what they describe as sin, what is not sin. Uh, that's not what this verse is talking about, so we're going to keep going. Now, it does, God is, has been talking, Paul has been talking about sexual immorality and that, you know, that we sin in our body. And that, But he makes a point in verses 19 and 20 of, of 1 Corinthians 6 that are very important for us to understand. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Listen to what it says. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We were bought with a price. Not just a small price. We were bought with a great price. And there are certain things about our slavery to a new master because of the price with which we have been bought. And we need to understand those things. Paul, in several ways, breaks down four main things that should be characteristics of our transition from being under one master to another master. He begins verse 17 of Romans chapter 6 with these words. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. Thankfulness should define how we feel about our new state. 
thankfulness. We should be so thankful that we have been delivered from that old master sin. Now, it, it's amazing. We'll talk about it. What has been done for us is, is incomprehensible. How awesome we feel about it can never measure the amount of change that has happened for us through Christ. We can never be thankful enough, but thankfulness should define us. In his commentary on it, Calvin said, first, we should be thankful that we don't get what we have actually earned through our works, but instead have received God's great mercy. We don't get what we deserve. We get God's mercy. 1 Chronicles 16.34 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Another translation of that steadfast love in that, in that verse is mercy. His mercy endures forever. That we have received that mercy is a wonderful thing. I mean, it's amazing that we have received that mercy. You see, because here's what I didn't tell you about the story of our lives as a slave to sin. We weren't just slaves to sin. It was injustice that we were. We loved it. We enjoyed it. We were wicked. We were willing participants in that slavery. And we loved wickedness. We loved sin. And we deserved the everlasting wrath of God. Yet, God has shown us great, great mercy. Now, Calvin goes on to mention a second thing, and not only that, that we now, through the thankfulness, see more and more of God's kindness. Through our thankfulness to Him, we begin to see more and more of His kindness. And this leads us to no longer love that old sin that we were in, but to hate it. So that thankfulness to God makes us hate and despise what we've been brought by. Because he's brought us from a place of torture and no peace to the very household of faith as adopted sons. We should be the most thankful people on earth for what has been done for us if we are in Christ. We should be the most thankful people to God for that mercy. Then, as we look, Paul says another phrase in the, in the verse, from the heart. From the heart. He's talking about we have become obedient from the heart. Now, our repentance and turning to Christ should be from the heart completely. You know, here's the thing, of course, we couldn't do it that old heart of stone. We needed the new heart of flesh that, that, that Christ puts in us when we are 
heart for that. You know, we just read in Psalm 119, it says that their hearts are like fat with no feeling. The old heart couldn't do a transformation of obedience from the heart. One commentator taught that first we need to understand what is meant by heart. It's not just your emotions. You know, that's generally what we associate emotion with our heart, right? You know, my heart's broken. Or, you know, makes my heart hurt to see somebody in pain, right? It, 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 it feels like it's supposed to be emotional. But our heart is much more than our emotions. Our heart is actually the personality that makes up who we are. That's why you're different when you convert to Christ. And you get that new heart. That's why there's a difference in you. Emotions change. But not only that, the heart is made up of three distinct areas. It's made up of your mind, your emotions, and your will. And these are all active in your conversion. When you convert to Christ, your mind, your emotions, and your will are all active. I don't know if you remember when you were converted, but all three had to be working together. Your mind understands intellectually the Word of God, the Gospel, right? There must be some head knowledge Involved in your conversion. You must know some things to be true in your conversion. Not only that, after you're converted, that's where you begin learning the doctrines and the theology that are going to help you to grow in Christ and His Word. So your head must be involved. Your, your mind must be involved as a part of the heart. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. We look at his word of truth. We intellectually grasp what he's trying to say in his word. We need to know some things. There's some things we need to know in his word. Some things that are true of God. Some things that are true of Christ. Justification by faith must be understood. That, that, that it's nothing that we can work to be saved. We must rely on Christ wholly and completely. Not only that, it's important for us to understand who God is and He reveals Himself in His Word. So your mind is involved in that heart change. Our emotions also come to Christ. We're less driven by how situations make us feel and more focused on the Word of God, what the Word of God says that we have in Christ. The Holy Spirit works on that inside of us. It's called assurance. Assurance is something that we need in this world. This world is not steady. If we looked at all of our situations, we would be shaken all the time. But we need the 
Holy Spirit to work on those emotions of our heart. Because as He works on the emotions of our heart, we begin to be assured of the great salvation with which we've been saved. We begin to be assured of who Christ is and that His power in our salvation is greater than any situation that can be going on around us. We need our emotions to come to Christ. They need to come. And our will will also become subject to God's will. Do you remember Jesus prayed in the garden? His heart was shaking. He knelt to pray. He said, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Our will begins to conform to God's will. We conform our desires. Listen, we conform, we conform our desires and our plans to what God has in store for us. How's that happen? Through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. What is that the proverb says? Many are men's plans, but God directs his path, right? It also talks about how even the king's will is like a river that God has carved out the water goes in. So God's will becomes our will. So our will becomes changed. Everything changes. We are purchased from the slavery of sin. If you think back to your own conversion, you'll see that. That there is a from the heart, the complete heart difference in you. That you begin to, your mind works first and starts to think about this gospel that you've just been given. Yes, I am a sinner. No, I can't fix it. Yes, I do need Christ. I need to repent of these sins and place my trust fully in Him. That's intellectual. And what happens? You feel differently. That's why a lot of times when people convert, there's tears. And those who aren't converted, they don't have that same kind of feeling. begin to say, you know what, what does the word of God say about my life? What does the word of God say? I plan on writing an article about it on our blog site about the extraordinary ordinary life. You know, we hear from the time we're young, um, God doesn't want you to have an ordinary life. But then we read in Ephesians when it talks about being a father mother and son or daughter going to work and it talks about all the great things that God has in store for you through that ordinary life can be extraordinary you don't have to go preach to the nations and preach to millions to understand that life can be amazing no ordinary life there's a side that's what I'm talking about, that will.
everything is viewed through this through this through the spectrum of what is the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart? What is the word of God saying to me? That heart change is essential in moving from slavery to a sin to a slavery to a new master. The next thing is this. It says in this verse, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. To the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Now, notice how it's phrased. Notice how it's phrased. The standard of teaching to which you were committed. It's not saying to the standard of teaching which you have committed yourself. It's saying you were committed to this standard of teaching. So I started thinking, what is that standard of teaching? And it's very simple. It's the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul talks about it in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15. Go there. He will tell you what was of first importance, okay? But it, it, it basically is the doctrine that we learn first that helps us to become converted. It helps us to go from that slavery to sin to the slavery to, the, to, to Christ, okay? This is what it goes like, okay? This is what we learn first. This is the standard of teaching to which we are committed. We see that there is a God of the universe. He exists as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One in essence, three in persons. That's a teaching that we can do one day. A lot of time for that one. But, think about it. Is any person who does not believe that there is a God at all, that they convert? Generally not, right? It, there must be first a belief that a God does exist. The next is this. We see that we are sinful. What helps us to learn that? Break home, he'll tell you. So you think you have been passed? Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever... And all of us have lied. All of us have. All of us have, as he says, said O of G and finished the G. Right? We've all done those things. The law shows us that we are sinful. We must understand that we are sinful. Is any person who does not think they're sinful truly convert? The king. What are they converted to? What are they converted for? I mean, I'm fine. Even Todd White has said, good people don't need Jesus. And he's right. People who think we're fine, we're good, they don't need Jesus. They think they're good. The next, we must understand that, you know, that there is a God, right? That, that we are sinful the next thing we, we need to understand is that our sin offends a holy God. How do I know this? Very simple. Isaiah 6. Isaiah, the prophet, his name's in the Bible, right? Comes into the presence of a holy God. 
just God's power is so amazing. It's filling the entire temple. There's weird-looking angels flying around saying three things over and over again. Holy, holy, holy. As he stands in front of a holy God, we would think his first words, because he's Isaiah, he's, he's a prophet, and God talks to him, right? We would think his first words would be like, dude, this is awesome. This is, this is sweet. This is cool. But what does he say first? Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Standing before a holy God, he understands that his sin offends a holy God. So if we understand there is a God of the universe, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, if we understand that we are sinful, then we need to understand that our sin of the Holy God. Then what's the next step then? To see that God must punish sin according to His holiness. If He's a holy and just God, then sin must be punished on this earth. If it offends Him, it must be punished. Right? And then we begin to see Somebody's got to save me from this. Somebody has got to save me. And then we come to understand the gospel of Christ. That God, the Son, came as all God, all man, took all of our sin upon himself, took the wrath of God for that sin in himself. And now if we are in Christ, we have been set free. The sin, wrath, has been done. So when we come to that knowledge of the gospel of Christ, we begin to see that we need Christ and we can't save ourselves. And at that point, we begin to understand the most important doctrine in the church, justification by faith. The only way I can be saved is through Christ. And I put my faith in Him. I repent of my sin and put my trust in faith in Him. That is the standard of teaching to which we are all committed. That's the standard of teaching that we're all committed to. It must accompany us changing masters. That we understand that solid, simple standard of teaching. And I think if I was to speak from the heart here for a moment, just because you are in Christ doesn't mean you do not need to hear the gospel every time the word of God is preached. We need to hear the gospel. Why? Because it is the very thing that has changed our hearts. We need to hear the gospel. There are many beautiful, high, awesome doctrines in this book, but Paul is clear in Romans. The gospel is the most important thing. It is the power of God unto salvation. It's the agent of change. It is what has made us brand new. So we need to hear about it. The gospel isn't just for the sinner. It's for the saint. Now, let me get back on track. I was channeling Paul Washer right there. Sorry about that. What follows from all of these other things? Okay, there's something that follows from all these other things. From being thankful to God for what has happened, that you've been bought from that old master and placed with a new master. From a complete heart change, a complete heart difference. 
and from understanding that awesome standard of teaching that we have been committed to because it has changed our hearts. There's something that follows that. Obedience. It says here that we have become obedient. We have become obedient. Obedient to what? If I'm going to be obedient, I need to know what I'm being obedient to, right? Doesn't make any sense if I don't, right? This, very simply, we become obedient to God the Father who is so merciful to save sinners who deserve wrath. God from the beginning has always been redeeming people for himself. He is merciful. He is so merciful. Even after Adam disobeyed him and failed, he still redeemed Adam. He still redeemed him. After his son had committed murder, he gave Adam another son. He's a good God who redeems people to himself. We don't understand how holy and just he is, we can never truly understand the power of his goodness and mercy. We must understand the power of his goodness and mercy. Because a God who is just and must punish sin to be merciful enough to pour his wrath out upon his own son, that's a merciful God. We become obedient to the Holy Spirit who is at work in our minds showing us more of who God is. He's at work in our emotions by bringing us peace that passes understanding in the midst of any situation. And He is in our will conforming us to the will of the Father. So we must be obedient to the Holy Spirit and what, is he, what he is doing within our hearts. And you know, we talked about previously in Romans how it says that the Holy Spirit is pouring God's love upon our hearts. He's constantly giving changing us and molding us to understand the wonderful awesome God that we serve we must be obedient to Christ because he paid the ultimate price to redeem us the ultimate price what did that verse say for you have been bought with a price and that price was the blood of Christ shed we need to be obedient to the standard of teaching, which is the Word of God, because it sanctifies us. My favorite verse is at the end of, actually, at the beginning of every one of my Nagir's podcasts. It's in my prayers now constantly. Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is true. Sanctification comes from understanding the Word of God, the truth contained within it. The Bible lays out the standard, of, the standard for us, and that's something that we should live our life by. It's a life of holiness and, and striving to be obedient to the God who loved us so much to save us. 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23 says this, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly, brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, 
but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. God's word is sanctifying us. In obedience to that word, and it says that purifying our souls by the obedience to that truth of that word. what changes us. It's what helps us. So we need to be obedient to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and to the Word of God, which tells us about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, which was breathed out by God through the Holy Spirit, the inspired writers, and what did they write about? God the Son. All of that works together for our good. Obedience, you see, I think we need to understand what obedience means, okay? Because as human beings, guess what word we don't like? Obey. We don't like that. But obedience is not optional after we can say According to the Word of God, it is what we do. It's what we start to do once we have been saved. But we also need to understand that we aren't just robots being forced to obey, moved around. We're not robots. Justification and sanctification are hand in hand. The one who has been justified will be obedient to God and to love holiness. That's how justification works. God begins through the Holy Spirit to begin to sanctify us. And we need to understand something. The occasional fall and the awful feeling that you feel for that occasional fall is much different than living a life of sin. When you fall, you mess up and you feel awful about it. And it tortures you. Congratulations. You are justified. You are being sanctified. That's a wonderful thing. The Holy Spirit is working in your heart and convicting you. We need to understand that it's God's work in you. And here's the great thing about the work began in justification, continued by sanctification. Because it can be tough when our sanctification is moving slower than we would like. And we still struggle with these small things and fail sometimes. And we're like, what's the use? Right? That's how we feel sometimes. What's the use? Why even try? Keep, I'm going to keep messing up. I'm going to keep doing these things. Look, that's, that, that's a good feeling to feel because you are being sanctified. There's also something else. We are being sanctified. And we have been sanctified. How can we say that we have been sanctified? Philippians 1 6. And I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. When we see him face to face, no matter how far we think we get in our sanctification, how awesome we are, how obedient we think we get, how holy and pure we think we are, when we see Jesus face to face, you will be sanctified completely. There will be 
for sin in your body. You will be completely brand new. The Bible says that we will be like Him. Be like Christ in that day. Until then, keep fighting the good fight of faith and just press toward the mark of the high calling which you have been called to. To continue that sanctification, trust in the process of sanctification, knowing that God is going to complete that work in you. When you see Him face to face. And if you are in Christ, you will see him face to face. Be assured of that. Now, as we look at all these things, ask yourself, am I living a life of thankfulness? Am I thankful for what I've received? Am I thankful for the great salvation for which I've been saved? That I've been pulled away from that evil master and given to a brand new master who to make me a son? Is my whole heart understanding that it is completely changed? Am I dependent upon my emotions, upon my mind, on this or that? If my heart's changed, that's why there's a struggle. Am I committing myself to the gospel? Am I giving myself the gospel? Am I sharing the gospel with others? Am I in the word looking at the standard of teaching and seeing the amazing power of Jesus Christ at work at all times for us? Have I become obedient to what this word says? It's okay to ask yourself those questions as long as you understand that you were in Christ. That's something you born again, you are His. That's it. That's it. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. No until you do this. If you are in Christ, you are born again, you are His. Now, I want to pray for each of us here, but I do also want us to remember that we live in a world full of people who we don't have this. They need to understand that standard of teaching. They need to hear it. This weekend on Twitter of all places, I was able to give a, a short gospel presentation. This person is not ready for their for the gospel yet. But they got it. Hopefully one day it, it'll be a a second cause, as they say, for them to, to come to Christ. To repent and turn to Christ and believe the gospel. But now, our life of thankfulness will always point people towards Christ and His work. That standard of teaching which we have learned. Don't be afraid, even if you don't have logical words that just share what, what Christ has done on the cross. And that he has justified us in all that we all that we bring to the table is nothing.
our sin is what has made it necessary. So we need to trust that. Even if it's a simple presentation, present it. Share the gospel. It's awesome. You know it. It saves you. Use the standard of teaching to save you. Share it. Live it. Tell yourself the gospel if you need to. I want to pray for you. Father God, thank you so much for the work of Jesus Christ and what he has done. To justify us and now this work that is being done to sanctify us.
We hope you were blessed by this message from Pastor Jason. If you like what you heard, go ahead to our Facebook page and like Reality Church. Also, go on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Reality Church. God bless you. Thank you.